Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What's up, everybody? Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm with you on a beautiful Tuesday in the Magnolia State. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, thanks for being with us. The Ceasefire text line, as you know by now, is wide open to you. 601-879-4395. Upgrade your Anywhere office with Microsoft Teams from Ceasefire Business. Their experts can equip your organization to chat, meet, call, and collaborate from anywhere on one easy-to-use platform. Find the right plan for you at cspire.com slash business. Hey, Dad, what's up on a Tuesday? Nothing? Borky, what's up on a Tuesday? Hey, you should have asked me first anyway. Um, I should have. Sorry about that. Yeah, so... Uh, at the end of the show yesterday, you kind of had a moment, right, where it was, I'm so sick of this. I just want to talk about games again. Yeah. I had one of those moments uh, about an hour ago. So okay. uh, I, I read a, a nice story about the New Orleans and Memphis basketball teams and the budding rivalry that should come between them. You've got two teams filled with young stars, a core that's going to be in each location for a while. You don't really have a history of uh, major success at either place, but young cores, like elite-level potential-type players, close proximity to each other, and it's going to begin when restart happens, these playoffs, because there's at least nine games, each of which we'll be playing in, four of them will be against each other, where things matter. And having these two franchises playing games that matter in such close proximity to us is a big deal. And I read that, and I was I got really excited. And man, this is going to be so cool! Zion and John Morant in Orlando battling for a playoff spot, future stars in this league. And then it hit me. I, I got to wait six more weeks for this. What am I going to do until then? Yeah, but at least there's a plan. There is at a least plan. the NBA has a plan, and it's going to happen. I mean, as much of a baseball guy as you, or a basketball guy as you are, that's how much of a baseball guy I am. And I mean, what's the plan for baseball? Ah, let's tell you what. Let's do. I got an idea. Let's sit back and let's just twiddle our thumbs and shoot marbles. Maybe TV will pay to watch that because it feels like that's all they're doing. Jeez, pretty much, yeah. But I had that. Well, moment I was today, in a man. great mood right out of the gate, and then you <laughs> rain on the old parade. Yeah. Hey, Dad, have I you know. decided to join us yet? Good. Good afternoon to you. I'm here. I'm here. I don't know what was going on there for a second. Yeah, well, you pressed Somebody the wrong button. With my board. It's the same button I every single day. I haven't touched this board in like a week and a half. Mm-hmm. For the record, not my fault. Hand raised here. 
I'm blaming somebody. Somebody went in there and messed with Haydad's side I'm blaming Rob Manfred. He was in here earlier today (laughs) screwing things up like he does everything else. Did you press a button that made it okay for you to be able to talk? Yeah, I had to figure out what was not pressed correctly. I haven't Mm -hmm. touched this board since yesterday. I have not. Can't imagine that it would be worthwhile to maybe look at the board before the show begins to see if you're going to be able to talk. If you don't touch something (laughs) from the day before... You just assume it's the only person in that facility, though. But this is my office. Nobody else should be in here. Uh, Start locking the the door. Studio. Yeah, I didn't know you had your own office. Oh yeah, it's 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 quite palatial. Yeah, you ever gonna hang anything on the wall? That's a long story. Okay, fair enough. We got two hours and fifty minutes. Let's hear it. Yeah, it sounds like we might not should tell that one while we're on the air. Uh, so thanks for being with us this afternoon. What is the top story this afternoon? I guess it's Chapter 2 of yesterday's story about Mike Gundy. He and Chuba Hubbard made nice in a video that then received lots of backlash because Chuba Hubbard was accused of giving in to the man. I, I mean, is there a person left on the planet that has an adult brain? I mean, that feels like a reasonable question. Like, I I genuinely, but this wouldn't fix it. Like, I genuinely have toyed with the idea of, what would happen if I just deleted my Twitter account and deleted Facebook and kept Instagram just so I could look at pictures from time to time and, like, like posts by my wife's store? Just, you know, just trying to kind of do my part. But just got rid of all of it because I get so tired of reading the crap but then I realized you're not immune to it if you don't have Twitter and Facebook because sports news stories have slants to them, depending on who writes them. Yep. So it can't be Chuba Hubbard, the outstanding running back for Oklahoma State, didn't like something his head coach did, took what would be generally considered to be maybe not the best route to dissolve, uh, to resolve a dispute by just immediately taking it public. And then he acknowledges in a video with his head coach that I probably should have handled this a different way. And at, at that point, there are a lot of people that he lost. It didn't matter what was said afterward because people were, you don't have to apologize for anything. You didn't do anything wrong. By saying he did anything wrong, he, as a responsible man who had a strong opinion and in a subsequent story today has said it was important for me to, to keep my head coach accountable, said I should have gone and talked to him directly instead of, instead of immediately going to Twitter to air my dirty laundry. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. And then he went on to say that university leadership has agreed that changes need to happen, and I'm excited to be a part of those changes. Again, I'm paraphrasing. What was wrong with that? Why was there backlash to that? That's way too mature. Way too yeah. mature. Mm-hmm. Can't have because that. Because two grown men took a, 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 a measured approach to figuring out their differences, and then saying, we're okay, let's work together. This is the biggest problem for both sides of any debate, it seems, these days, and that 
Everybody says they want something to change. And then when one person decides, okay, I'm going to take steps forward to make that change happen, that person is labeled as a sellout or, you know, what took you so long. It's never just, hey, good job. You, you figured out there's a problem. Let's fix it. It's, it, it's, just, it's just never enough. And even Mike Gundy, it, because he didn't formally say, I'm sorry, in the video, the same video in which he said, hey, I've got to do better, the program's got to do better, it, it, it's on me, and I should have known better, and I'm going to work with he my guys. It. He owned it, but he didn't say the phrase, I'm sorry, so it wasn't good enough. The entire Yeah, thing, but if he had said, I'm sorry, it wouldn't have been no, sincere enough. And he, if he said, I deeply apologize, they wouldn't have liked the verb tense that he used. And if he had said, this is the biggest mistake I've ever made, people would say, oh, you're not genuine, you're just saying it for the camera. It doesn't matter what you say. People either like you or don't like you anymore. Goalpost it just keeps on oh. moving. That's all it's going Every day. to do. It's all. It's going and and to please do. understand, I'm not defending Mike Gundy, and I'm not defending Chuba Hubbard. I'm just kind of looking at the entire situation, and I'm going to tell you what. We have intentionally not talked about this, and frankly, I don't think I want to do it today. But I'm telling you right now, this is coming to the state of Mississippi, and it's going to be coming sooner rather than later. And it's going to be the debate over the state flag. It has started, but it started quietly. But it is coming. Just, just get ready. I, I, again, I, I, I've had some conversations with some people from outside the state of Mississippi that are involved in college athletics who've said, what's going on? What, what, what's happening with that? And I kind of laid out the groundwork for where we are and how some of the, probably a bad phrase, battle lines are being drawn. That's kind of what it's going to look like when it ultimately happens. It's going to be ugly. Unless, unless I am sorely mistaken, and frankly, some of the message, messages that we got via the ceasefire text line on Twitter and to my personal email over a few references to the OAN News Network, or whatever, OAN yesterday, a few of the messages that I got absolutely bolster the belief that I have that when this ultimate debate comes, it is going to be ugly. It's coming to Mississippi. It's going to prominently involve three major universities, who, by the way, all three are for changing the state flag from a leadership standpoint on both the academic and athletic side. Not really trying to like go down that debate road today. I think we've got plenty of other stuff to talk about. But, but in terms of you can't just come to a compromise. Like, you, you can't sit down and figure out a solution that's good for everyone. There's not going to be any of that. It's going to be ugly. So get ready. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Before I went off on a bit of a tangent, we were talking about this story. Maybe should we actually give the update to the story? I think so, yeah. Because 
to the way you started the conversation, it's important to note that the two people involved in this thing did handle it like adults, and they're seemingly prepared to move forward when uh, people who have no stake in the situation are not. All right, so you had all kinds of backlash toward Mike Gundy yesterday for wearing an OAN T-shirt. One America, One America Now, One American News. What, what, what does News. it stand for? One American News. Which is considered, generally speaking, by the public. I'm not saying that I'm labeling this. If that is your primary source for news, that is your prerogative. Just calm down. I'm just telling you the general perception of OAN is that it is a an extreme right-wing conspiracy theory platform that is extremely pro-President Trump. Is that a fair summation of how it is generally considered? What you just said is inarguable. Okay. Whether that's what it actually is or not is irrelevant that is how most people look at One American News. Um, Chuba Hubbard running back at Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy appear to have ironed out their differences. There was a photograph taken over the weekend of Mike Gundy wearing an OAN t-shirt Hubbard, in his initial tweet yesterday, said, I will not stand for this. This is completely insensitive to everything going on in society, and it's unacceptable. I will not be doing anything with Oklahoma State until things change. Lots of past and present Oklahoma State players came to the support of Chuba Hubbard via social media. Yesterday evening, right after the show ended, this show ended, a video appeared after a meeting between Chuba Hubbard and Mike Gundy, in which Mike Gundy said, in light of today's tweet, with the t-shirt I was wearing, I met with some players and realized it's a very sensitive issue with what's going on in today's society. So we had a great meeting, and I was made aware of some things some players feel like that can make our organization and our culture even better than it is here at Oklahoma State. I'm looking forward to making some changes, and it starts at the top with me, and we've got good days ahead. And then Chuba Hubbard, on video, said, I'll start off by first saying I went, I went about it the wrong way by tweeting. I'm not somebody that has to tweet something to make change. I should have, never went, uh, I should have went to him as a man. I'm more about action. So that was bad on my part. But from now on, we're going to focus more on bringing change, and that's the most important thing. And then this morning, seemingly in response to the backlash from the video where Chuba Hubbard, among other things, was called a sellout, Mike, I didn't go through a bunch of comments on Twitter, but hey, hey, Ed Borky, I'm assuming if I read through those, there would be some language that was far stronger than just calling him a sellout. Yeah, and then even media people that were instructing him that he did not have to apologize, and it was a weak move on his part, so... So, in a Twitter post this morning, Hubbard once again seemed to respond to the backlash that he received for the video. Then he said he had gone about the wrong way by tweeting. Today, 
he published this. He said, I was never wrong for saying what I said. I'm a man, and I realized I should have went to him as a man face-to-face rather than on Twitter. That's my opinion. But I had to hold him accountable either way. I'm glad things happened the way they did because things are being changed as we speak. I kind of like the fact that Chuba Hubbard, he, he doubled down a little bit and said, no, I wish I had handled it differently. It needed to be handled, and it's now been handled, and I'm glad that that part of it, but I do wish that I had gone to him directly. That is strength when people are ca- uh, categorizing it as weakness. That's a strong dude right there. I mean, it, it feels like, again, like I said a few minutes ago, the, the people that had the, the biggest stakes involved here seem to have learned the most, and everybody else is just yelling like idiots. I mean, you had a coach that, that clearly learned that you should probably, as a, a football coach, just maybe avoid politics. If you don't want politics in sports, that means you don't want any politics in sports, including some that you agree with. I think you should avoid it altogether. If No matter what news network of a shirt he was wearing, he shouldn't be wearing it because he's a football coach and politics are just divisive. You just shouldn't go there. He learned that lesson. Chuba Hubbard learned a lesson of, if if I disapprove of something my coach did, I should go talk to him instead of, airing those things out on Twitter. And both of those guys seemingly have come together and decided, you know what? I'm not going to inject pol- I'm not going to promote politics anymore. I'm a football coach. That's what I need to do. You know what? I'm not going to tweet my grievances about you. I'm going to come talk to you cuz I'm a man and that's what we're going to do moving forward. And they shook hands and he's going to rush for 2000 yards this year and it's all going to be good. So I-, I just wonder and I think the answer to this is yes. Based on the little that I know about Chuba Hubbard, and and Morky alluded to this yesterday, he seems like a really sharp kid and well-intentioned. And and I wonder if maybe what he wishes had happened, instead of sending out the initial tweet that just went crazy, if he had just gone directly to Mike Leach and said, Coach, you're wrong. That T-shirt is offensive to me. It's offensive to a number of my teammates, not because of what it says, but because of what we believe it represents. We've got problems within the football program, and if we don't address them publicly right now, this thing's going to get out of hand. Let's put out a video together, or let's release a statement together that shines a positive light on Oklahoma State. I'm doing a whole lot of reading between the lines. A lot. But my guess is that's kind of where Chuba Hubbard's coming from on this, saying, I just wish I had handled it a little bit different. Oh, no, you didn't handle it wrong. Don't apologize. No, no, no. I I get to have my own opinion. And my opinion is I wish I had handled it a little bit differently. And there's the other side. I'm pleased with the outcome, ultimately. But I wish I had handled it a little bit differently. Sorry, Hedy, go ahead. That's all right. And there's the other side of the people who are just like, you were right to apologize. Your coach didn't do anything wrong. Again, it's just, I don't think it, a lot of people in this world, they don't actually want things to change. They just want to be able to be be mad and ar- and argue and, and things like that. You know, the, Chuba Hubbard and, and Mike Gundy, it seems like they handled it the way a grown man should handle it. They talked everything out. They, 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 they both said they they did things wrong, and they're wanting to move forward in a positive direction. That's what 
boy, I'm, I hate going down this path because you just never know. But it just feels like that's what everybody needs to be doing right now, listening to each other and trying to find out what's the way to move forward in a positive direction. But you have too many people screaming at each other from one side and screaming at each other from the other side. And then and, and what gets lost in that is nothing ever changes. So hopefully, you know, in this small instance, which is just a just a one little piece of a huge, huge puzzle, things will start moving in the right direction. We get a text that summarizes that your opinion doesn't match mine, therefore you are wrong. Yeah. Well, and... I mean, it's a, it, it's a beautiful, succinct summary that kind of goes for everything we're doing right now. With regard to protests, with regard to social justice, with regard to our Congress, elected officials at the state level and at the federal level, I mean, we're not that far removed from a time in which the way politics work was you compromised to get things done that were good for the United States of America. That does not exist anymore. I mean, if I hear one more, ah, this bill has bipartisan support, guess what that means? It means it's a bill that accomplishes nothing for anyone. You just want to be able to put it on a bumper sticker. Because in the stuff that matters, you're either for it, and therefore you are right, or you are against it, and therefore you are wrong. And it doesn't matter if it's a bill that originates from the right side of the aisle or the left side of the aisle. You're either right or you're wrong. Not... This is a complicated issue. Let's try to come up with something that kind of splits the difference where both sides have to give a little and both sides get a little and we come up with something that we can all agree with or at least live with. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. C Spire text line is open 601 879 4395. 601 879 Sad but true. That is that is a short text that is powerful and is accurate. Unity doesn't sell. Unity doesn't drive ratings. I have a friend who called cable news networks and their programming in the evenings the last few weeks Riot TV. He equated, he equated cable news networks and their coverage of the protests to weathermen covering impending, damaging storms. They'd live for it. Ratings go up. You watch the network that 
it's closely aligned politically with how you believe, and it's the end of the world. You have a lot of lip service to the idea of unity. I don't know that that many people really, really want it, though. And that's sad. It's not to get all gallow in the morning on you, but it's what's campaigned on now. We're in a campaign season. Yeah. Watch the ads. Both sides. Gallow not... in the morning. <laughs> Sorry. It, yeah, it's... It, it, it's not isolated to one group or the other. Watch campaign Ooh. ads this year. No, in, in what it's are not said. isolated. Reach so, across oh. the aisle, guy or gal, uh, loses bad now. <sighs> Badly. And it, 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 it spilled, it's not just politics. It, it sounds like a political, political conversation, but I mean, this directly ties to sports as well in, in the reaction to a star running back and his coach having a disagreement and solving it like men. People don't George want that w. to happen. George W. Bush, ne- never mind the second time, and never, mi- never mind how you feel politically about him, George W. Bush could never be elected president today. It's not divisive enough. It's not. All right, that's enough on that, I think. Let's talk about something that brings everybody together. The Egg Bowl. No, <laughs> What does uh, so you said yesterday a little bit of breaking news that uh, Ole Miss and, and Mississippi State are going to end in-person classes for the year prior to Thanksgiving? I, I guess that might potentially take away from the Egg Bowl atmosphere a little bit. Eh, people come back for the game; they always do. But if yeah. if they are not, think about it. I'm talking about students, not fans, but students are the driving force of stadium at, stadium atmospheres. They're usually the loudest and. Uh, they're always standing for the most part. If you're closing your campus prior to the game, I mean, there's a quarter of your student body, generally the most excited ones to be there, that, I mean, do you open the campus up again to give them a place to stay to go to the yeah, game? But I mean, or? the last few years, hasn't there already already been like a fall break or whatever around this? I mean, it's Thanksgiving, so people go home well, anyway. fall breaks earlier in the semester. I mean, it's Thanksgiving break. Yeah, and then yeah. but so after out that for the entire week anyway. But some people come back on Thanksgiving night for the game. Uh, Borky, yeah. was there ever a Thanksgiving Egg Bowl when you were in school? Uh, no. And I I, okay, so I simply would not have gone just because I had family from far away. But no, there was not. Okay, all right. But when you were going back home to South Carolina as a student, did you come back Friday or Saturday so that you could be back for the Egg Bowl on Friday day Saturday? after Thanksgiving? So you did come back so that you could go to the game? Yes. I, I, well, I guess there was one Egg Bowl. Um, was it the rainy night in Starkville that was on Thanksgiving? That was on Thanksgiving, yeah. Um, but no, I, I did not. Uh, yeah, I would leave Friday uh, to come back in time for the game. So spend Thanksgiving with the family a few hundred miles away and then get in the car the next morning and drive. Speaking of games moving, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, hold, that hold, that, hold that thought just for a second. I, I just, okay. just follow up real quick to Borky. Okay. Go back to your 20-year-old self. Would you come back for a Saturday Egg Bowl if classes didn't start back on Monday? 
Probably, actually, because I mean, it's it's okay. my thing though. Because I just sports was my thing, and and I love going to college football games. But I don't know if you're going to get everybody like me that would come back to. Well, I don't know now that you think about it. Just a, it just depends. Depends on the team, depends on depends the team, the team and if... how good they are, and then also uh, how bad you want to get away from your family. I guess if Ole Miss is you know five and six or six and five going into that game and can you know. Be sure to be. They're going to a bowl game. There'll be plenty of people there. They're three and nine, three and eight. You know, four and seven. They, there might not be. Oh, I, I thought you were going a different direction. I thought you were going to say if they're five and six, six and five headed into that game, probably people aren't coming back. I mean, if if that's a nine and three team that's competing for the West, guess what? Stadium's going to be full when you win. People, well, yeah, come. doesn't matter when you play yeah. the games. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are. If, if you're playing right. a game and you're really good and it's an important, I would game, think are coming. I would think Ole Miss if they're five and six playing that game and. Haven't been to a bowl game since 2015, and you got a chance to go to a bowl game. I think Ole Miss fans would show up for that big time. Yeah. So, what I was going to say before before we uh, we we before you that was uh yeah we had talked about state maybe playing opening the season on a, on a uh, on a Thursday night. Doesn't look like it's going to happen now. Kentucky has got that SEC network slot because they're uh, trying to avoid conflicting with the uh, Kentucky Derby. Yes. So Kentucky, I think it's Eastern Michigan. This your Ooh, Thursday boy. night. SEC. Yummy! Yeah, no, set your excited. DVR. I, for one, cannot wait. Uh, you know what? You say that, Borky, buddy. I'm gonna be locked into that game. I'll watch every play. I'll what? be so excited for college football. Why is the SEC network? Though? I mean, let, let's be honest here. Neither the Mississippi State nor Kentucky game are going to be ones that people just line up to watch. They're playing teams that they're significantly better than the games won't be close. But as a general sports fan, what, which game would you rather watch? Like, in-state bias aside, Mike Leach's first game or Mark Stoops' Kentucky uh, playing a nobody? I, I think this is more about the SEC trying to work with Kentucky to yeah. not yeah, have yeah, their yeah. fans make the have to make a, a decision. So they're just kind of conceding the fact that Likely nobody's really watching that game in that time slot. Anyway. Yeah, if the Kentucky if the Kentucky Derby was happening in Kentucky, nobody's nobody's going to that game, let alone. Uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, I think we're underselling how big a deal the Derby is, even in Lexington. No, that's right. I mean, yeah, that's my that's my point. Yeah, and and, that, and so that, I don't think. I mean, it's not a slight at all. It's not a more people will watch this game or or this game. It's this time slot exists. Mitch Barnhart goes to Greg Sankey or Charlie Hussey or Larry Templeton or Mark Womack or whomever and says, hey, can you do us a solid? The Derby's running that Saturday. These are obviously unprecedented times. I realize we're not the most attractive game, but you're putting somebody against directional somebody on there. We really need to be in that time slot. Sure, yeah, I mean, we last can do year that. was Last year was Texas A and M Texas State. They're, they're not. They're not going to get a marquee matchup here. So I do agree. Yeah, I mean, not Leech not is, since you had Leech South Carolina Texas A and M. Exactly. So the bad news from MSU is, gosh, this probably locks in an eleven a.m. kickoff for that first one. Eleven or three, which will be also hot. I mean, there's no difference. You know, it's it's. You might get a, like thirty minutes of relief at the end of that uh that three o'clock kickoff. I don't know. But you know, the thing is, hey, Dad. I mean, there's a boatload of bad games. Oh yeah. So, so so you know that Alabama against Southern Cal is going to be on ABC. Mm-hmm. You know that Ole Miss and Baylor is being played on Sunday. Right. That's that's done. All right. Georgia Virginia. Where is that one being? That's uh, 
It's at Virginia, so that, that could be no, a... No, no, uh, no, 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 no. That is on Monday night in Atlanta. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Okay, so okay. take that one out of the mix. All right. So you've got Florida, Eastern Washington. Who cares? That's probably 6 o'clock on the SEC network. Yeah, because it's Florida. It'll be a top-10 team. Uh, Kentucky, Eastern Michigan. We now know it's on Thursday night. Missouri, Central Arkansas. That's, I mean, that's got... To your point about Mississippi State, that's got 11 a.m. written all over it. It Might even have alternate channel written all over it. That's the SEC Network alternate, probably, yeah, I was about to say. South Carolina, Coastal Carolina, same thing. Tennessee Charlotte has 6 o'clock on ESPNU written all over it. Yeah. Vanderbilt Mercer. In front of tens of fans. Arkansas and Kent State. Auburn and Alcorn State, LSU and Texas San Antonio. That's probably on ESPN2 on Saturday night. Mississippi State, New Mexico, Texas A&M, Abilene Christian. I've got an outside chance for a late kickoff. but I mean, you can't late. put 19 games at 11 a.m. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> no. No. Stream them all. The, 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 the whip around, like on uh, baseball. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Don't forget you can subscribe to the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Just search Sports Talk Mississippi to get the latest on your device anywhere, anytime. And while you're there, don't forget you can subscribe to the Thunder and Lightning podcast with Brian Haydad and Joel Coleman. Michael Borky taking over the Rebel Report and the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast. All are available for you, and you know what? How much they cost? Zip, zilch, nada, not one dollar. They are free, and who doesn't like free? So there you go. Ceasefire text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Wouldn't it be something to come out of this virus pandemic and have both Mississippi teams back on the front page of Sports Illustrated? A little tag of Hale State on the end of that text. Jeff says, those games are so freaking weak, that would be like Oxford High School playing Wayne Academy. No disrespect intended to Wayne Academy, I'm sure. Probably get a closer game in those two. Suggest that maybe COVID will cancel that opening weekend and somebody follow that up with football schedule you just announced. The virus almost sounds better. <laughs> Come on. Y'all say that, I'm telling you. You'll, you'll watch every minute of it. Gladly. It will at least be on and we will celebrate its return, even if you don't yep. sit down and watch every minute. That's just the SEC, though. I mean, otherwise, <laughs> Slate's okay, isn't it? Well, I mean... I said it last year. I say it every year. Like, there's no such thing as ba- a bad college football weekend. They're always you only get so many. They're all good. On Thursday, you get NC State at Louisville, kind of interesting. Clemson at Georgia Tech. Eh. If you're a state fan, that game is interesting because you want to see what uh what NC State's got to offer. Yep. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's rewind a week. You actually get football the Saturday before that on August 29th. Hawaii at Arizona. New Mexico State at UCLA, Cal at UNLV, Marshall in East Carolina, 
Idaho State at New Mexico. I'm not sure that one's going to be on television, nor will you be able to easily access UC Davis at Nevada. All right, Borky, what, there are a bunch of games on that Thursday night. Wow. Yeah, Thursday's loaded, uh, not with a whole lot of quality. You do have uh, Oregon State at Oklahoma State as well, and uh, the Holy War, BYU and Utah. Woo! Sign me up! Actually, yeah, no, that's so a that's good... Richard's favorite. That's a good Thursday night. And... Washington State at Utah State is sneaky good right out of the gate. Yeah, if only Jordan Love was still there. You can get that, uh, again, if you're an MSU fan, you can get that very preliminary scouting report on Utah State. State announced a uh, game with them for 2024 yesterday. Very preliminary. Yeah. Look Clemson at, at Georgia Tech. You mentioned the Holy War, Oregon State, and Oklahoma State. Rice at Houston. Saturday's okay. This is definitely not the best opening weekend uh, that we've Ooh, had. Friday night. Friday night, Borky. You got two pretty good ones Friday night. North Carolina at UCF. Indiana at Wisconsin. And Syracuse at Boston College is at least watchable. Absolutely. You got, you got three. All right, so what do you like on Saturday? Michigan at Washington. Great game. TCU at Cal is a sneaky Wait, is that game. being played in Chaz or in... Sorry. <laughs> oh, wait, it's not Chaz anymore, is it? What is it? What is it? It's it, Chow or... Chow, Cho, Ch- What is it? Who knows? I don't know. No, they, they changed the name. It went from the, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone to the Capitol Hill... Something Zone. Or We're trying to talk about unity here. I'm sorry about college football. I'm gonna figure out. I'm gonna figure out what Chaz's new name is. I gotta know. Chaz <laughs> new. Go ahead. Go ahead. Games okay, you like. So Michigan at Washington. That's, Chop. That's Chop. it. Oh, okay. Um, Holy War Part Two. Liberty at Virginia Tech. <laughs> Florida State, West Virginia, and Atlanta. Interesting. Mike Norvell era kicks off. Colorado, Colorado State's that weekend, if you care. Mm-hmm. Great, In Denver, great no rivalry game. Oh, wait, no, they're playing it in Fort Collins. It's not at Mile High this year. Buffalo's going to be walking into a hornet's nest. Ooh, that is a beautiful stadium, too. They've been terrible since they've opened their new venue, but that is a gorgeous stadium. They have a bar in one of the end zones. It's awesome. New, Take co- new coach me there to too, right? Altson. Where? At Colorado State. Uh, it's not Mike Bobo right? anymore, is it? Yeah, he's gone. Not Jim McElwain anymore? Nope. <laughs> Get back to you on that. Take me to Altson, North Dakota State at Oregon. Ooh. Woo. Sneaky. Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky. Thanks for being with us. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal. Best plan for one or two lines 
$45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. Noble cspire.com let's go to the farm bureau phone line check out favorites.com and go with the home team mississippi farm bureau from the lone star state houston texas sideline uh reporter for the uh, houston texans radio network uh does work with houstontexans.com and a whole lot more our good friend john harris johnny what's up not much, Richard. Just right in the middle of summer, I went for my run about two, three hours ago and uh, felt like I was going to die. So it's probably about the right time in Houston. There's no question about that. It got down to 58 degrees in Oxford last night. Oh, don't even say that to me. No, I mean, it's mid-80s even... today. It, it came back up. But it, like this morning at 6.45, 7 o'clock, oh. I took my little boy to golf camp this morning, and we walked out there. It was almost oh, it was unbelievable. Sorry, I wasn't trying to rub it in. No, that's okay. Um, I mean, it, at, at 8 o'clock at night or 9 o'clock at night, I took my dog out, and it was still 81 degrees. So, yeah, it's, Houston's a different place, man. It, it's, uh, thank God we're playing Baylor Ole Miss inside. I'll say that. Yes, and uh, ESPN made the announcement uh, in conjunction with uh, the Houston kickoff classic or whatever it's called, that the game's going to be played on Sunday night. Oh, and I'm sorry. On Sunday, September the 6th. Can you believe it, John? Uh, I was shocked. Uh, tongue yeah. lodged firmly in cheek. Now, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you stopped yourself at night because that was originally the plan. The plan. Right up, as, as right I, up until as Navy I Notre Dame, it. right? Well, actually, what we were told is that it could be um, it could be an NBA Finals issue, um, that there could be playoffs or NBA Finals or something going on that could that would uh, you know conflict with it, and they might have to move it to a different time. But we do know it's Sunday. We know that. Um, yep. And so Sunday, September 6th. So we've known that for a while. And they were really excited, uh, you know, when that game was, oh, it's going to be a primetime game, Sunday, September 6th. And every time you'd have me on, i just, I, I, I hate having secrets because I want to tell them I'm, I'm terrible with a secret. Um, but the last meeting we had, we found out that they might not be a night game just due to the potential conflict of uh, of the NBA Finals, which I, I don't know. That's all got to play out. I have no idea um, about that. But it will be Sunday, September 6th, and we're, we're excited um, for both schools to kick off the inaugural seasons for each coach um, with Dave Aranda and Baylor and Lane Kiffin. Uh, at Ole Miss. All right, you, John, you got to tell me what the heck's going on in Texas. So, so you guys are rocking along pretty good on the whole COVID nineteen thing, and then stuff <laughs> starts are opening up, and inevitably, yep. I mean, when things started opening up, I don't care if it's Texas or Massachusetts or Mississippi, people were going to start testing positive at a higher rate. It was inevitable. Yeah, but what the heck are they doing at the University of Houston? Bringing everybody back and then not baseline testing everybody and then acting surprised yeah. and shutting it down for two weeks when six people are positive. What are they doing? Yeah, yeah. It's the the frustrating aspect of this. You know, there there are two parts to this, Richard. I thought about you know COVID nineteen was you know your organizational structure, you your your university. You were going to find out about the people that you have on campus and how they can react. To adversity and how they were going to be able to put together a plan 
for something they've never seen before. And, and that kind of, it kind of tells you a lot about, oh, wait a second, maybe our plan wasn't so good. But then you see other schools that have, you know, players or your student athletes, you know, testing positive. And it's like, hey, we have a plan. This player's going to do this. We're going to isolate. We're going to do this. I mean, it, it just, I, 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 I know the people in the University of Houston Athletic Department. I know they're really good people. I do not know how they dropped the ball uh, on, on this. And it, it just strikes me that in the city of Houston, no less, I mean, there are, you know, five, six million people in the greater Houston area um, that we had to have a plan at the University of Houston that was that much stronger than maybe in other places um, where you don't have uh, such numbers of people. But it's, it's really maddening. Um, but I think it just goes to show, you look at your university and you're like, yeah, you know, we had one or two over the course of staff, coaches, um, athletic department personnel, whatever the case might be, and we know exactly what we're going to do. We're going to isolate them. Away you go. I don't know why. I don't know why the University of Houston wasn't ready for that as it should have been. Again, we're in a time, we're in unprecedented times. I just feel like in the time that COVID nineteen was taking place, I I want to make sure I say this properly. I do feel like at times the state of Texas, from our governor on down, has sort of stuck his or her neck in the uh, head in the sand and been like, "I see nothing," you know, kind of Hogan Tiro sort of thing. Um, it's mm. fine. Open things up. Let's go. Now, I will also say that, and I don't, I don't know if this relates, but we had obviously George Floyd was from Houston. And so his protest in downtown Houston drew on upwards of 65,000, 70,000 people. And I know that the cause was, was just for people to be protesting peacefully in our city, and it was a just cause. The flip side of it, as I'm watching it, I went, man, we have not been very prudent about being socially distanced. This is a lot of people in a small condensed space now i don't know if any of that has to do with any of the student athletes at the university of houston or the personnel at the university of houston but i really wouldn't be surprised because it's the first time that that many people have been in that sort of crowd-like setting since covid19 hit since the texans played the bills there's not been that many people in a houston location all together at once and that was back in january so the was a flip, the flip side of things was I wasn't too surprised, to be honest, if, uh, and I know we're going to have some cases come out of that. They're also, you know, Memorial Day weekend. I'm watching on the Houston News, Richard. I'm watching, you know, all these different, you know, videos of parties and things are happening. I'm like, what, what are y'all doing? Yeah. What are you doing? So um, it's, it's a pretty confusing time. Of course, Governor Abbott today blamed it on all the 20-year-olds. Um, so when in doubt, blame the millennials or Gen Zers or whatever they're supposed to be now. Uh, which is sort of stupid. Um, but that said, uh, we have not done a, a, as good a job as we were supposed to do. Our university here in Houston did not do as good a job as it should have. But I'll tell you this, NRG Stadium and what we got going over there, um, they've done one hell of a job. Uh, even though we had a player or two test 
positive, it's going to happen throughout the NFL. We're not alone. Yep. Um, it's going to happen. But I guarantee you, in that building, when people come into that game, and I hope that fans are allowed into that game, um, you'll see the work that's been done there uh, to make sure that people can feel safe at a sporting event. John, we'll talk some NFL stuff on the other side of the break with you, but uh, let, let's stick with that idea just a second. So Governor Abbott, uh, 50% capacity is what they've got in place right now. Apparently had a conference call with the ADs from all 12 FBS schools in Texas on Friday and said, look, don't anticipate more than that. Despite very quickly getting to the 50% number, is that kind of your gut feeling right now inside the, what, 72, 74,000 seat NRG stadium? We're looking at 35, 36,000 people? Yeah, that's about what I expect. I think 50% is probably... Uh, where it's going to be. Now, the interesting aspect of it is the game, obviously, is Sunday, September 6th. We'll have, presumably, a preseason game in the stadium. And the NFL will hmm. tell us, hopefully, the number, you know, the percentage of people. Now, it's going to be a little different because the NFL has said, look, we when they went on, on um, when they sent everybody home, the NFL sent everybody home. Even though not every team in the league was under a shelter in place. In fact, when they sent everybody home, I think Kansas City, the Chiefs, they were not in a shelter in place, I believe, in Kansas City at the time. And the NFL said, no, you're all going home. I think the NFL will keep rules that are consistent throughout the league. So it may not be apples to apples, but I would imagine that's kind of the number I've had in my head the whole time, Richard, that 50% makes sense because you can space people out. You can move people to different locations. Um, and obviously, in an NFL stadium of that size, you can put thirty-five to thirty-six thousand and keep social distancing. Then you, you know, then. But there are things you got to consider: concession stands, you know, yeah. you know, tailgating outside. I mean, all those different things that that obviously go with a college game, that go with our game, the NFL game in Houston. You know, tailgating. You know, some of those things might be suspended. So we'll see. But my guess is, as as you said, fifty percent has felt all along like that's the number at least for the first four to six weeks of the season. So John, we've got to take a quick timeout. We'll continue this with John Harris from the Houston Texans and HoustonTexans.com right after the break. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, continuing our conversation with John Harris from the uh, Houston Texans radio network, HoustonTexans.com. He's on the Farm Bureau phone line. So, John, every sports organization, every league, every conference – is not, I don't know if dealing with is the right way to describe it, but they are addressing the desires of of players, of coaches, of management to let their voice be heard. And we know what the NFL went through uh, post-Colin Kaepernick with kneeling and ratings declines and the, the people that were for it and people that were against it. How is it going to be different this time? What, what's it going to look like in terms of peaceful protest or doing something to draw attention uh, to a cause? What's it going to look like this time in the NFL? Well, that's a that's a really interesting question, Richard. And I, I think I think you're going to see you know back in 2016 when Colin Kaepernick started kneeling, Eric Reed was next to him. Uh, Brandon Marshall, linebacker of the Broncos, who played with Cap at Nevada, um, he knelt. There were uh, not many others that did it, but 
but they uh, Kenny Still is now with us. Michael Thomas, yeah. uh, they were teammates in Miami. He is now with us. Um, they they took a knee with Cap almost immediately, and so they in 2016 they did it for the rest of that season. But it was in 2017 where it was ratcheted up, obviously due to the president's comments about the NFL players, and then each team sort of had um, a way that they tried to address it at the time. Our guys tried to address it by standing, but standing locked arm in arm, showing uh, you know solidarity. Um, this time, and and you know the thing about it is, is you know typically we're in a building and the players in the building at this time of year, so you kind of you know can have a you know a conversation with them in the in the cafeteria and you know talk to them about some of the things that are going on. Um, but I feel like the NFL players now. Um, you know, the ones that we have, Justin Reed, who has been very outspoken, uh, Deshaun Watson, who is not an outspoken guy, but has been very clear about his feelings. Um, he appeared in the NFL player video with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, Zeke Elliott, et cetera, um, uh, along with Tyron Matthew. They have, they've been very clear about what they desire, and they've been very clear to make this not or they've been clear to not make this a flag slash patriotism thing versus kneeling and all that this is hey we're kneeling and this is why and they're trying to state their message even further and i think in 2017 there was only so much listening people were going to do around the league the league was very afraid of losing sponsors they were very afraid of losing uh, fan support, of you know fans boycotting, etc. But I think when and I read this somewhere, and I think this makes sense when you look at that video the players made with the help of actually somebody in the league office, and they put that video together and put it out. You realize there's they're not you know not it's not as if Colin Kaepernick was not a great player. But when you put a video together and it's got ev- nearly every great player in the league saying, hey, we're not standing for this anymore, then either your league can be completely resistant and it's just going to be a complete mess, or the league can say, you know what, we hear your message now when maybe we did three years ago. Or maybe we didn't want to hear your message three years ago, that we wanted this thing to just keep going. But it feels like, even in our building, I can speak to the fact that there there was resistance. People did not want to listen to those players. It was very clear that kneeling was a a slap at the you know uh, at patriotism and all that kind of stuff. And I think it became more evident, especially for us in Houston, seeing one of our own, George Floyd, from Third Ward in Houston, near Energy Stadium, who died at the hands of police brutality. And then you saw Bill O'Brien stand up and go, you know what, this has been bothering me for a long time. And, and really spoke his mind and really kind of set a path. And he essentially was saying, look, I, I, I know ownership might have a different say in this, but this is how I feel. And ownership didn't have a different say. They jumped right on board. Cal McNair uh, and his wife, Hannah McNair, and their mom, Janice McNair, have been having 
um, conversations. We call conversations for change on our website, HoustonTexans.com. They've interviewed Travis Johnson, and he talked about um, you know being an African American uh, growing up in California, in Houston, in Florida, where he went to college. They had Romeo Cornell, um, who talked about uh, race relations. You know, coaching in the South in the '70s when Romeo was coaching at different places. So they've tried to take the lead on it and to say we we hear. It might be for some to say, finally, we finally hear it. But I think the NFL finally started listening to its players and its constituents and went, you know what, you're right. Um, and, and now we're going to work on this together. We're not going to oppose each other. We're going to work on this together. Um, and they probably got a lot more support than maybe they ever thought they did back in 2017. John, I don't, I don't know. We've got three or four minutes left. I, I don't know how writ large people in, in Texas – view kneeling during the national anthem but i know overwhelmingly in the state of mississippi that that's not viewed favorably regardless of of the cause i think people can look at it and say yeah i understand what you're saying but that's not the time and that's not a message that a lot of people want to hear right now is there a scenario where the nfl or teams individually could choose a, a different way or are we going to see across the league players kneeling during the national anthem just whatever else is going to happen is going to happen but you can go ahead and count on that being the case Richard my my gut tells me that that players will kneel during the national anthem that's that's I, I agree that's with you I just thought. I was curious I yeah I I think we're gonna see I think we're going to see even more than we saw even in 2017. Um, I, that's, my, that's my gut reaction to it. Now, again, I've not talked to, to any of the players and I've seen any of the players because we've been out of the building. The players have been out of the building. Um, so I don't, I don't know. But I, my guess is that uh, it will, there will be more players than ever uh, and coaches and, and whomever, uh, personnel staff, taking a knee and Richard I can I can tell you this this city this state feels a lot the same way I mean I've had I've had conversations with people that were you know in our in our sales department that run our sales department that were just like look they can the players can do a lot of different things and then fans and sponsors will be behind them to support them but just don't kneel during the anthem and and I mean I've heard that same thing from people in our building um, that, you know, whose livelihoods depend on, you know, the sponsors that we have um, that support this organization and support other organizations, support the NFL. It's a really difficult situation for, I I, I know it's going to be difficult for Jerry up in Dallas. Um, It's going to be really, really tough. I think for a lot of, a lot of places um, that the, in which players have already decided to kneel. I, I would imagine it's going to be probably even more than it was in 16 and 17. Oh, I don't think there's any question. In fact, the, the, the thing that is curious to me, um, and, and I mean, I'm using Drew Brees as an example because it's obvious, but I mean, what, what sure. if he's standing right there with his teammates and on both sides of him, you know, almost all of his teammates are kneeling and he chooses to stand with his hand on his heart with his right yeah. hand, but maybe he's got his left hand on the shoulder of one of his teammates. Is that going to be acceptable in the eyes of teammates, 
Or yeah. if you have a dissenting view, are you all, almost going to be an outcast in the eyes of your own teammates? See, I yeah, think this I, is complicated. It, it, it's very, very much so. And and I think my boss put it as best you possibly could. It's, he said, you know, if you don't kneel for the anthem, it doesn't make you a, a, a racist. If you do kneel for the anthem, it doesn't make you not a, a patriot and, and have feelings of patriotism. And it's, Richard, it, it seems simple to kneel or not kneel. Like, which one are you going to do? But, man, you're, you're absolutely yeah. complicated. I mean, complicated almost, you know, and especially, look, there's some, there's some places, like, for example, you know, I've talked to some of the players that played up in Seattle. Like, there, there's, like, players knelt there in 2016, and the fans are like, okay, no, no big deal. Sure. We have had, you know, Kenny Stills, he knelt all last year on his own, on the sideline, and there was nothing, you know, there was no uproar, anything that came from our fans, nothing at all. That was one player. If our sideline is filled with, with players taking a knee at the National Anthem, I, it, you know, and, and to that end, you know, you know, J.J. Watt, same same sort of thing. You know, J.J. standing and they're kneeling. How do they, how do they look yeah. at, how do they look at J.J.? Uh, and it, John, you're the it, best, it, my it, man. It, We're out of time. Always good to visit with you. John Harris from the Houston I, Texans on the Farm Bureau phone line. Back with you. And I played my guitar too loud. Hey, Dad! You're supposed to pick it up with the How Do You Like Me Now. That's Toby Keith, right? Yeah. Wasn't, I wasn't 100% sure. You don't like that song? I mean, I'm not, not a huge country music fan. So. Well, I know you're not a huge country music fan, but there's some... Yeah, mainstream's not the word, but there's some country that you recognize. Like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Maybe not. That wasn't one. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. A lot of ways that uh, you can be a part of the show. You can text us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. You can hit us up on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. And uh, some of you seem to uh, be using email as your primary means of communication as well, getting more of those Um do we get one? Do we get one right now? Yeah, but I'm not going to talk about it on the air. Oh, okay. You must. I mean, it wasn't. It. Well, yeah, no, me. it was. Someone sent me an email. Okay. Um, which is fine. And I responded politely. Just don't agree. I don't know. I feel like when people email, it's like they want it to be more personal and they want to be more direct, and maybe don't want it like read publicly. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case or not, but anyway. Me personally, if you send me a message on any in any forum, I feel like it's we're fully within my rights to to read that out loud. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could. I, I just like I don't want to. I don't want to go down the political road all the time. And well, let's, for let's for the then. for the folks that are uh, leave the politics, I I am ears wide open. With any ideas, 
outside of doing Brian Haydad's favorite thing in the world, which is to you know compare three deep depth charts, because he loves it. Let's talk about the beefy guys that are third-string offensive linemen. I can't host a radio show like that. And so if, if you have the ability, I am all ears to explain to me how you host a sports talk radio show in the current climate, in the current environment, in the place that we are in, without some intersection of sports and politics. I don't know how to do it. Not for 15 hours a week. It's not possible 60 right to now. 70 hours a month? About a thousand hours a year? I spend that much time with you? Wow. Oh, man. I thought my life was good. That, it's a little less than that. But it's impossible to do right now. We can't bury our heads in the sand. It, I am a firm believer of. You can and should, whenever possible, remove politics from sports. I, I am a firm believer in that. I, Michael Jordan's uh, Republicans buy sneakers two thing is very important. I agree with that sentiment fully. But I also think that it's impossible to ignore sometimes. I mean, we had a big-time college football coach and a Heisman contender I mean, one of the favorites. If you're wanting to put money down on a Heisman winner, that's a good place to go put your money. You probably get some good value out of him having a very public uh, disagreement on a political issue. And if we ignored that, we're not really doing our jobs the right way. We we can't ignore it. And I see it all the time. And people bring up like, oh, his First Amendment rights. Read the First Amendment very carefully uh, before you say things like that. Also, again, like I said at the top of the show, if you want politics removed from sports, that means you want all politics removed from sports, including politics that you agree with. If you think that Mike Gundy should be allowed to promote a television news network that has the perception that it does, you should also be okay with Steve Kerr saying what he does, with Greg Popovich saying what he does, with LeBron James wearing t-shirts that he does. If you don't like what LeBron James does, you have to, in principle, not like what Mike Gundy does in promoting a news network. If you want it all gone like me, then say it should all be gone whether or not you agree with it. Yeah, but it's not possible to talk about stuff without mixing the couple uh, right now. Um, You're right. I want to clean something up. I I think there was a little bit of confusion as to what John said at the end of that interview. By the way, Richard and Wiggins, he said, y'all are doing fine. Remember to tell them they're free to jump up a cow's butt and get a milkshake. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Here, here's what John said at the end. <coughs> and, and, and there's some confusion based on the text that we're coming. John, I asked John the question about whether or not players who choose not to kneel are going to be viewed in a negative light, if they are going to be viewed as an outcast by their teammates. And he said that he has a boss who has said 
if you stand up and salute the American flag during the national anthem as a professional football player, that does not make you a racist. And with that, I agree. And he says, and if you kneel during the national anthem, that does not make you an anti-patriot. It does not make you unpatriotic just because you choose that avenue of peaceful protest. All of those things can be true. You get a you get a text message here. Humble suggestion. If you're going to mix in the political angle, remember who your listeners are. It's not smart to take political stances that run counter to 90% of your listening audience. I'm not taking political stances to try to get you to agree with me. I'm really not taking political stances all that much, period. You want to know where I stand politically? Yeah, I mean, like, like you, you want me to just lay it out there for you? I will. And it's different than some of the people who work in this company. But I think it's pretty similar to a lot of Americans and maybe even a lot of people in the state of Mississippi. I identify myself as conservative. I identify myself as very much fiscally conservative, but lean a little more to the middle in terms of social policies. And I make no apologies for that. And I don't care if it alienates a listener. I'm not shoving my views down your throat. Generally speaking, you're not shoving your views down my throat. That's how I view our world, though. That's the prism through which I look. I think big government is not good government. I think that's not terribly effective government. I believe... I mean, we're just laying it all out there? I'm I'm pro-life. Period. Are there are there circumstances where maybe it's worth having a conversation? Uh, sure. But generally speaking, I'm pro-life. I tend to think what you do in your bedroom is your business. I I, I kind of take a This may be a really bad idea. I'm just kind of laying it all out there. Because people are like, oh, Richard, what are you, this is who you... I'm not trying to make you agree with me or disagree with me. I'm just, I'm just telling you who I am. Does it shape how I look at things? Sure. Yeah, it does. I am pro-capitalism. Go make as much money as you can possibly make. Do I line up with everything... The Republican Party stands for in whatever form it is in today? No. Do I disagree with every single thing the Democrat Party stands for today? No. Am I comfortable with that? Yes, I am. I would like to think that I am a bit of an independent thinker. Paul and Brandon, is Richard having a Jerry Maguire moment? I don't know what I'm having. It's I'm just like, I'm tired of being painted into a, and not me, like all of us. Like all of us get painted into, you are a this, or you are a this, and if you're this, I hate you, and if you're this, I hate you. Unless you're over here on this side with me. Just, just 
Be who you are. And we talked about it. Just be good to other people. Just be a good person and be good to other people. And it's okay. And you don't have to apologize for who you are, whatever it is you believe. <sighs> we'll be back. What do you want to talk about, guys? I'm not sure I'm doing a good job picking topics today. I would disagree with that last part. I, there's something I, I do think about a lot when it comes to this conversation and because of the conversation with John a little bit ago. Of course, anthem protest is going to be a big deal this fall. That, that will be a story. It will be a big one. But a thing I always go back to when it comes to any topic like this in particular. Number one, if you watch an NFL game, they do not show you the national anthem. So if if that act bothers you, you you literally don't have to see it. They don't show it to you. They, they don't. They, they, when they come to the broadcast at noon, the teams are lined up on the field ready for kickoff. You don't even see it. But the thing I always go back to when it comes to athletes, movie stars, musicians, anything that I'm consuming in life... Uh, I could not care less about their political views or actions as long as they're not criminal. If somebody is a huge leftist or a far-right extremist or they just have views that are a little twisted or backwards or don't align with mine or do some things that I disagree with or whatever, I don't let that stop me from consuming a product from which I enjoy. So even if you're one of those people who is bothered by the national anthem protest. Uh, I said when they did it four years ago on this show that I didn't like it, that, that you can find a better method to draw attention to it. However, doing that is a fundamental right of being an American. So what they are doing is very American. Even if you hate it and you think it's unpatriotic and disrespectful, being able to do that freely is an American principle, even if you disagree with it. What I'm trying to say is, don't let that stop you from consuming a product because at the end of the day, I, I am a, a huge fan of a band called the Arkells, and they have a lot of political views that I disagree with completely. They even write songs that have political stances that I, I don't like, but I, I really enjoy their music and their live shows are fun and I, I like the band. So I don't let their political views stop me from consuming a product I enjoy. Same thing in the NFL. I really love NFL football. I love NFL football. And no matter what they do pregame, even if it's disrespectful and, and not the right method and something that I don't like at the end of the day, I will separate that from the product because, not to minimalize them, but they are football players. These guys are musicians. This dude's an actor. Why would his political view affect me in any way when I don't go to an actor to gain value in my stances on politics or anything in life. I don't go to them for that. So I'll consume the movie. I'll listen to the music. I'll go to your show. I'll go to your game. You can be political. I don't care. I'm not going to listen to it. And it's not going to stop me from doing something that I enjoy. Probably not a bad way to go through life. I mean, hey, Dan. Well, you know, whenever we talk about the NCAA on this show, right, what do I always say? I, I don't care how the sausage gets made. I just want to watch the games. I don't care about there being inequity. I don't, I don't care. I just want to watch the games. Same things goes for this stuff. I, I you know, I, I have, you know, it's not, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to think that 
young African-American males are by and large going to be politically different than, you know, me or, or a lot of, you know, older white men. It, it doesn't take, you know, a genius to know that. But I don't care. I care about the black and gold and the fleur-de-lis on the helmet. That's, that's, and, and the, are they winning? Great. I'm Wait, watching. Excuse me. I thought maroon was all that mattered. Oh. I swear, if I see any of those shirts this fall, uh, yeah, but that's, that's the right all shade I care of maroon. About. Even sorry, I mean, which what is the right shade, Richard? <laughs> I swear, I have no idea. Get Sherwin Williams on the phone. Um, yeah, but I just, I just don't care. I don't care what people think politically. I just want to watch the games. That you know, people talk about. Oh, sports is my escape. Sports is truly my escape because once I'm watching the game, I don't care what anybody on that team thinks about any other topic than winning that football game. We get a text here. It says, "Borky, don't tell me not to let something stop me from something that I enjoy. That's my choice as an American. I, I didn't. I, I was just encouraging you to maybe separate it. I, you can do whatever you want, but." It, I'm just encouraging you not to let politics of a musician stop you from listening to music you like. Because there's a lot of people out there, especially in the arts, music, entertainment, people that are kind of whack jobs. If they produce good content, good music, why why do uh, I care? Did you see where somebody tweeted at Tom Morello? Now that I know your politics, I'm not a fan anymore. Like, what machine did you think he was raging against all this time? The washing machine? <laughs> Ceasefire text line. Pretty sure Richard is going to need an ice cold fence post after the show today. LOL. Is that a beer? There's also an offer for gummy bears. <sighs> College football fix coming your way right after the news. Cross, Hey Dad, and Borky on a Tuesday. Be right back. Here we go, 5 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky. And Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. C Spire text line, wide open to you. 601-879-4395. If you're ready for a better phone, C Spire is here to help you out. Get up to $700. That is seven Benjamins off top smartphones online when you trade in a device and add a new line. You'll always find awesome deals on the latest devices at cspire.com. Plus, with options... Like free same-day delivery and curbside pickup in select locations, getting a new smartphone is safer, quicker, and more convenient than ever. And the uh, C Spire network is always getting faster, better, even letting you talk on the phone and use data at the same time. Head over to cspire.com now to find the perfect device for you. Just after 5 o'clock, that means it is time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. That's the website that will show you how you can save money on the entire line. 
a Ford vehicle. And you know what? You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. You might just want to drive one home. Hey, Dad, will you agree or disagree? Uh, this is from the SEC Network on Twitter. ESPN analysts and reporters pick their ultimate SEC team based on current NFL players. I do have a question. I mean, I got a question before we even start on this. I don't know the answer to. Are you a current NFL player if you were drafted this past April? Yes. Yes. In my opinion, yes. Okay. Good to know. Makes the argument harder, though, because nobody's seen you in the NFL. I understand, but... I understand. You want defense or offense first? Uh, Start offense. Offense. Uh, It doesn't have the same ring to it. No. No. NFL ultimate SEC team on the offensive side of the ball to start with the big uglies. Andrew Whitworth from LSU. Elton Jenkins from Mississippi State. Marquise Pouncey from the Florida Gators. One, two, three, four, five. Coach Urban Myers, he ain't got no... Uh, Florida Gators don't take no jive. I believe that's it. What do you think her Coach prison cell Urban looks Myers. like? I don't know. We should go back go, and listen. Come on to that now. We're, 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 we're doing so good away from the politics. Just <laughs> oh, that's not keep really naming political the as, as much as that it is. That is apolitical. That is, yeah. We can all have fun with the Congresswoman from the Sunshine State. Trey yeah. Turner, LSU. And Laramie Tunsil from Ole Miss. It's a good old line. It is a good offensive line. Tunsil, Turner, Pouncey, Jenkins, Whitworth. Yeah, you can win with that. A flex position player, Odell Beckham Jr. Tight end. Jared Cook. Former South Carolina Gamecock. There are people in the mentions of that. Arkansas fans, of course. I love sports fans for this reason. Because where's Hunter Henry? You snubbed Hunter Henry. Like He's on no, the injured reserve. And in no way, shape, or form is Hunter Henry a better tight end than Jared Cook. In in no way. Like, if you did Cook versus Henry and like just went down the list of things they do, Cook wins them all. It's not even close, but Arkansas fans don't have a whole lot to cheer for lately. Richard wouldn't Who's Hunter Henry play for? Chargers still, right? Yeah. They still got a team. They still have a team. Okay, good enough. Uh, a couple of pretty good wide receivers. Got some targets that uh, you can work with. Mike Evans and Julio Jones. Speaking of Mike Evans, did you see uh, the Bucks released the first images of Brady wearing their uniform? Mm-hmm. Still weird. We'll get to you soon eventually. Running back. No surprise here. Derrick Henry. And the quarterback. Despite never having played a game in the NFL, Joe Burrow is named the ultimate (laughs) SEC team quarterback. Really? I thought you were going to say two. Yes. Oh, come on. It's Dak Prescott. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> wait, wait, is it actually Dak Prescott? Yes, it's yes, Dak. Yes, it's actually Dak Prescott. Okay. Somebody didn't click the link. You guys are messing with me. 
Like, if you had said Tua, and I, I would have been like, well, you know, I, I don't know what we're basing this off of, but sh- I can sell it. But Burrow, no, I would not have bought into that. Uh, those two guys aside, and they haven't taken a snap yet, so that rings true. I, I was thinking when I saw this, who was Dak's competition? Like, the SEC does not have a great NFL presence at the quarterback position. What is the other option? Is it Cam Newton? But he didn't have a team. Yeah. He doesn't have a team right now. Stidham hasn't really played yet. Uh, he will be a starter, but still, like the SEC's yeah. footprint at the quarterback position at the All NFL right. is a guy me, and a half right now. Let me let me bring back home to a good old debate. If he had not retired, would Eli Manning be put, on here? Or you would have put Eli, You would have put Eli over Dak. There's, you, you, you can't. You have to. Because I mean, I have to work. assume. I have to assume it's yeah, it's based off of their career. Well, you're so, yeah. not putting Odell Beckham Jr. on the team based on last year. No. What do you mean? I thought asking your opponents like before the snap to trade for me is like points in the positive column. Mm-hmm. That's who you want as your flex, a guy that literally is telling the Arizona Cardinals, please trade for me pre-snap. So that's the offense. Dak at quarterback, Derrick Henry in the backfield behind him. Matt Stafford, him. by the way, we get a text. Uh, Stafford, Stafford, it would be yeah, the I other option. Ooh. If they had said Stafford, I wouldn't have argued. Ooh. Mm. Stafford, Matt Stafford has never made the playoffs, though. Not one time. Bad franchise, think, bad team. Has not made, made the playoffs. playoffs. I think he's made the playoffs. He just hasn't won. The Saints lost. Saints beat them in a wild card game one year. I want to say. All right, so that's Dak, right. He hasn't Derrick won a division Henry, yet. Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Jared Cook, and the offensive line composed of Laramie Tunsil, Trey Turner, Marquise Pouncey, Elton Jenkins, and Andrew Whitworth. Your ultimate NFL SEC team defense. I got news for you guys. It's a pretty good group. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Um, And it is heavy on two teams. And Alabama is not one of them. A lot of Aggies and a lot of LSU Tigers. Your defensive lineman on the edges, Von Miller out of Texas A&M, Miles Garrett out of Texas A&M. In the middle, Fletcher Cox, Mississippi State, Chris Jones, Mississippi State. How would you like to have to deal with that front four? I would not. Protect I your head. I want to scheme against them. Yeah. Make Linebacker sure you don't lose your CJ Mosley from Alabama and Roquan Smith from Georgia. Okay. Daniel Hunter from LSU. They've got him listed as kind of a flex position player. Move around a little bit. Sure. The corners. Stephon Gilmore from South Carolina. Tredavious White from LSU. So not the Honey highest Badger paid is corner- the safety. I'm sorry, go ahead. Not the highest paid cornerback in the league then? Who are you talking about? Darius Slay. Hmm? Not on this team. Hmm. Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger at one safety. Jamal Adams, the other. Won't argue with that. And not much to argue with on the defensive side. Although you think Darius Slay should be on there as opposed to Stephon Gilmore or Tredavious White? 
Tredavious White. Okay. He's good, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Peter Burns is probably involved with this, so there are four LSU guys <laughs> on the offense or on the defense and three on the offense. Uh, I would like to see his ballot. <laughs> Mississippi State pretty well represented on this thing with two guys on offense and two on defense. Yeah, it's not bad. Quarterback, an offensive lineman, and two defensive linemen. In two years, they redo this. There'll be another Bulldog. There'll be Jeff Simmons, and there'll be a Rebel. A.J. Brown will be on here. You think A.J. more than D.K.? Yeah, I do. It's that three-cone drill, man. I can't get over it. (sighs) Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Quick timeout. Back with you. We'll continue on this Tuesday. I should have given you a heads up. I was going here for you. Probably would have changed the intro music for you. Sorry. Uh, Richard and Wiggins. Richard and Wiggins, um, apropos of nothing, sent us a message earlier that said he digs Elton John's music. And so I just asked him, favorite Elton John song? Uh, hey, are you an Elton John fan? I like Elton John. My wife's a much bigger fan. Borky? Oh, yeah. I enjoy his music. Uh, open-ended Twitter poll, Twitter question. Sports Talk, M-I-S-S. Favorite Elton John song? You can also text it to the uh, C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Favorite Elton John song, right answers only, please. <laughs> Guess that's why they call it the blues, would be my answer. Yeah, okay. I like that one. Saturday's all right for fighting. They used okay. to play it. it. It was a, uh, I guess it was ESPN's, Especially yeah. college game day music for a while when I was like 13 or 14. And so that song stuck with me because, you know, it was college football. Hmm. Didn't he write the entire Lion King album in like a day? Did he really? Possible. It's something crazy like that, yeah. It's a pretty good soundtrack, too. It's phenomenal. No way he wrote Hakuna Matata as part of that in a day where he said, That was lovely. Thank you. <laughs> that is the third time today that, I, that I've had Hey Dad push the microphone. He literally just pushed away the microphone and took his headphones off, and now he is rejoining us. By the way, tiny dancer for me. That was fantastic. Somebody clip that. I feel like a Twitch streamer right now. Somebody clip that. We'll send it to EA. Uh, My gosh. There you go. Uh, so yeah, you can uh, you can text it to us. We got we look. We got some. Okay, this is really cool. So like fifteen of you, yeah, maybe not that many. Maybe ten of you have texted, and I think everyone has gone with a different song. So forgive me for not saying your name. I'm just going to give you Man has a vast catalog. What can you do? Tim goes Rocket Man. John goes Border Song. 
Here's one for Crocodile Rock. Amanda in Pike County goes, Baby's Got Blue Eyes. Greg goes with Candle in the Wind. Here's one for Port Swing in Tupelo. Derek goes with Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Kelso with Tiny Dancer. Keith with Philadelphia Freedom. Jerry with Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Uh, Jerry and Sardis, Goodbye Norma Jean. And we finally get a duplicate with Luke going Tiny Dancer. That's remarkable that, like, the first 10 people that texted all texted a different song. That speaks to depth and volume, doesn't it? I'm going to text my wife and see what hers is. Very few bands and artists have that kind of diverse depth. She's seen him live twice, so we'll see, see what she says. And we got Funeral for a Friend, and we got Levon, and we got Don't Go Breaking My Heart, and there's one for Benny and the Jets, and there's one with Arms Wide Open. I mean, it's basically like every song he ever released. And nobody said your song yet, which would be my favorite. Levon might be my second favorite. Or Daniel. Your song I don't know. Strong. Um, Especially was, as fathers of, of daughters, the two of you. Well, I was Googling during the break, like, best Elton John songs. And there was, like, a top 30 list, and then there was a top 20 list, and then there was a top 50 list. And when you make a top 50 list out of somebody's catalog, and you know that they're, like, another 150 songs out there, or however many he, he did total, I, I don't know, maybe it's 500. When there's a top 50 list, and you pretty much know all of them, and you're like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Wow, that's yeah. only 34? I mean, you mentioned the, the Lion King a second ago. So, Circle of Life and Can You Feel the Love Tonight are both in the 30s. Wow. Wait, did you? what did you say? You said your song was your favorite board? I thought you yeah. said Guess That's Why They Call It The Blues was your favorite. No, we that's did get my, a tweet said that, that said that, though. I said that. Okay. You know what my kids would vote? They'd go with "I'm Still song Standing." From trolls, or some not trolls. No, it's a, actually it's from from Sing. So okay, that's the you know the he little mouse the, uh, opens the theater and they do the performance deal and he did Romeo and Juliet's soundtrack too. I know that because I've seen that more often than I want to admit. Hmm. I don't think any, did anybody say don't go breaking my heart? No, but you could have. Yeah. I don't think anybody said crocodile rock. We got a few texts that did. Okay. Yeah. Was there a vote for candle in the wind? You said goodbye Norma Jean, but that's candle in the wind. I was just reading what the text said. I know. Did you know that he re-released Candle in the Wind after Princess Diana's funeral and yeah, it subsequently it. Yeah. became the biggest selling single in the history of the UK? Yeah. I just got, I, I'm going to keep talking about this just until we get the message that says stick to sports. <laughs> it's almost like a test at this point. It's almost like a test. Who else is there? Anybody else that has this kind of depth of musical hits? Yeah, 
Who? I mean, Elvis. 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 There's one. The Beatles. Led Zeppelin. Hot take. Not a big Beatles fan here. I understand why huge, they're popular, but I don't. I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but their their catalog is extensive. Zeppelin, Do the Beatles exist without Elvis? The Rolling Stones. Do the Beatles exist like, without Elvis? No. If you want to go country music, Willie Nelson would have a catalog like this. Well, uh, uh, Matt just texted Garth Brooks, and that's 100%. It's not. It's, he's right, yeah. Garth Brooks, uh, you could put a top 50 Garth Brooks songs together and have 50 reasonably good songs. Well, wasn't wasn't Double Live 25 songs? On, or it was either 25 songs total or it was 25 songs on both discs. I don't remember which. I, I don't own it, so I don't know. My buddy Craig says fish. That's just one song. It's just the length of 50 songs. Pink Floyd's a good one as well. Mm, but but Floyd. that's kind of a... I say it's a niche. They're, they're extremely popular, but Elton John has mass appeal that even Pink Floyd doesn't have. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was crushing it at the beginning of the 70s. And my kids dig the song I'm Still Standing. Which is an 80s. That was just redone in a Disney movie two years ago. Say what? That's an 80s song. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he's he's got what five decades of just. I don't think Jackson has the depth. He has the the star power and the recognizable songs, but Michael Jackson, he doesn't have the depth that that just happened here. He's got a lot though. Prince would have a lot. What about the Eagles? That's a the really Eagles good have one. a big catalog, yeah. Johnny Cash has suggested, Josh suggests Leonard Skinner, and he said they were only just getting started when their plane crashed. But that's the point, though. They, they don't have the, the decades of... Man, the Stones yeah. released a, a, a song of like two months ago that still has it. I mean, those guys have been at it since World War II, and they, they're still putting out hits. <laughs> you, I mean, you're you're off, but you're not off by that much. And yeah. it, it, to add to the Mick Jagger has like a two years? year old son, and he's almost eighty. Yeah, Mick, Mick Jagger, I think, found the fountain of youth. Yep, he found a few other things along the way, but I think the fountain of youth, maybe the gin soaked barroom queen in Memphis, led him to it. British maybe. rockers, man, they live forever somehow. Yeah. All right, we got some questions popping in that are sports related, and we will uh, we'll get to this. There's some news related to uh, Ole Miss basketball that has popped up this afternoon. Matt Zenitz at al.com, who clearly has a password to get into the transfer portal. I don't know if it's like a website or if it's on the dark web or how you get there, but my man gets all the news and breaks it all. So Matt Zenitz from al.com with uh, some breaking news as it pertains to Ole Miss basketball. We will tell you what that is. When we come back after a uh, short timeout, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. All right, so some transfer portal news for Ole Miss basketball. Matt Zenitz said AL.com reporting that Blake Henson is entering the transfer portal. After uh, playing as a two-year starter at Ole Miss, as a freshman, 
Played in 32 games with 31 starts. He averaged 24 minutes a game, shot 41% from the field, 35% from behind the arc. Eight and a half points and three rebounds a game. Points and rebounds were up last year. Ten points and four and a half rebounds a game. He started 27 of the 28 games that he played in. Shooting percentages were down last year. Uh, About a point in overall field goal percentage. uh, About three points down in three-point percentage. And about three points down in free throw percentage. You may remember he did not play the first handful of games. He made his debut against the University of Memphis in the uh, the game that was played at FedEx Forum. To um, that was relatively early in the season. There was a uh, a blood abnormality uh, that was discovered during the uh, the off season. Had to go through some treatment for that. They took some time getting him back to uh, back to full strength. Uh, Blake Henson has an older brother that. At one point, was playing football and basketball at the University of South Carolina, and then stopped playing basketball to focus on football, and then I think transferred ultimately. Uh, Blake Henson, originally from Deltona, Florida, played at Sunrise Christian Academy in Kansas before coming to Ole Miss, and I guess was recruited in by Andy Kennedy and the previous staff. Is that right? I think it was uh, Kermit Davis's first recruiting class. He and K.J. Buffin were a part of that. That's right. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, so I don't, I don't know what the issue is here. Uh, if, if he just decided he wanted to be closer to home or wanted to go somewhere else or you know, maybe took a look at the makeup of the roster and I, I don't know. That's possible. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to spin this at all because I mean it felt like this was a guy that was going to be a junior who had pretty good freshman year. Numbers went up despite shooting percentages going down a little bit. You would have thought that he was going to not only be a starter but be a really important piece for Ole Miss. So I am I am not going to sit here and try to spin to you that, oh, this is good attrition for Ole Miss. I mean, I guess it's possible that it ends up that way, but this is surprising news to me at this point. Yeah, I was surprised to to see it myself. I mean, six seven wings that can shoot the three do not grow on trees. Uh, I mean, his skill set is a, a valuable one. It, there were some. I mean, it wasn't so subtle, uh, Richard. I'm sure you remember it as well. Kermit Davis was not thrilled with how he approached uh, decision making in game, basically all of last season. Uh, I mean, shot selection was was atrocious. Uh, I mean, you could hear it. Through the television, you could hear him yelling specifically at Blake Henson often because he wasn't uh, um, in the right spot or, or whatever. There was clearly a disconnect in all of his press conferences, almost all of them. He alluded to the fact that there was he just could not get certain players to do what he needed them to do, and connecting the dots, one of them was Blake Henson. But even with all of that being said, like I said, six, seven wings that can shoot the three just do not they, – they don't grow on trees. So maybe – and he gave you 10 and 5 a game. Yeah. And so maybe it's a two-year starter that sees a roster that added a couple of guys in his spot that he would have to compete for, and he doesn't want to have to compete for a starting job after doing so for two years. I don't know, but they'll miss the athleticism and tools for sure. But uh, head coach was not thrilled with him a year ago. Uh, I guess his best game came as a freshman against Mississippi State in Starkville. 
Uh, I was about to say that. I probably get to see his best game, yeah. Yeah. Went Kind of went crazy from three in that game, too, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, was just on fire and unstoppable. So, um, there we go. So, that news is out there today. Been meaning to get to this. Hey, Dad, you asked me when my birthday was on Twitter. <laughs> what? Why did you ask? Because we learned yesterday that Mike... I actually didn't learn it yesterday. I had seen it before. But Mike Leach is uh, one of the many celebrities available to you on Cameo. Are you going to buy buy me a Mike Leach Cameo for my birthday? Well, I don't know. The price jumped up to $150 uh, in the evening. What was so it originally? A hundred. Mm-hmm. Either way, that's not a little, worth it. Little, I don't know if yeah, not worth, worth that it. extra fifty bucks. Yeah, I don't know. I have to think about it. I really do want to get him to say like the Earth is flat or something on cameo for a show intro. <laughs> hey, I'm Mike Leach, and don't let the don't let the government fool you. Wake up, sheeple! The Earth is flat. <laughs> something like that. That's going to be your 150 that you have to spend, Borky. <laughs> I don't think you can expense that. <laughs> Probably not, but it would be so worth it. What I really do want to get Mike Leach to do a cameo. I just can't quite figure out what I want him to say. I don't. By the way, just I'm pretty sure you can't just tell him, "Hey, say this," and they'll do it. I mean, Mike Leach isn't exactly sweating 150 bucks. Yeah, like I had a buddy so. that texted me and said, "Get him to say hotty toddy." It's like, well, he'll read that. I, but the thing about cameo is, like. I mean, can you reject them? I've never heard of that before. And I've seen some I'm cameos sure. that where you think, you, oh, wow, they probably should have not read that. But. I'm sure there's something. If worse comes to worse, Borky, you can get Wes Blankenship to just do a Mike Leach, Mike Leach impression True. saying that. Uh, in the FAQ section, what happens when I request a, ca- a cameo? Your request will be re- completed within seven days. Your receipt and order updates will be sent to the email provided. When your request is completed, we'll email and text you a link to view, share, or download your Cameo. If for some reason your video isn't completed, the hold on your card will be removed within five to seven business days. Yeah. I've gotten one before. It was it was when Cameo was really just getting started as well. But my yeah, wife much is the, bigger now. the biggest Office fan I know, and I got Melora Harden from The Office to record. And all I said was, hey, it's my wife's birthday, huge fan of The Office, thank you so much. And she gave me an almost two-minute long video and sang to her a song that she sang in the show. I mean, it was incredible. And so... Was it the one by Hunter? Her yeah, intern? it was the intern. Don't, don't yeah. sing it, don't sing it. No, I'm not going a, to. A friend of mine just purchased me a cameo. He got all of. Uh, he he is not a father. He got all of the fathers in our group text a random cameo. So I got mine yesterday from Larry Minetti, star of Magnum PI. Where do you find the list of who all the cameo people are? Go to their website. Go to their website, cameo.com. Uh, and you can filter by how they're famous yeah. and things like yeah. that. And. Athletes, new athletes. Mason Plumley. Who? You can get Big uh, E, WWE superstar. That he is. Hundred and a quarter for him. You can get Rudy for two hundred ninety-five dollars. Oh Ooh. my god! <laughs> no. Uh, Thaddeus Lewis of the Baltimore Ravens is only ten bucks. 
Johnny Damon will cost you a hundy. Ryan Archidiacono, former Villanova star, now with the Bulls, 50 bucks. Yes, that name just rolled off the tongue. Good job. Elio Castroneves, $55 for the multi... What was he, like a five-time winner at Indy? Something like that. Uh, let's see here. Mick Foley, 75 bucks. Dave Wanstead will wish you a happy birthday for $50. The stash is worth forty-five. Oh, the hawk! Andre Dawson, seventy dollars. Bruce Buffer, the less famous of the Buffer ring announcers. Let's get ready to ramble. Two two hundred ninety-nine dollars. Two ninety-nine for that guy. My God. Yeah, I'm sure he delivers it with some gusto. Oh, I'm sure. Ray Lewis will charge you three hundred. You're gonna make a joke there? Nope. No, not at all. If Ray Lewis is listening. No jokes. The radio play-by-play voice of the Dallas Cowboys, Brad Sham. You can get a birthday greeting from him for forty dollars. That's a good one for Cowboy fans. Yeah, I would think so. Reasonable value there. Um, who else? The real question is what cost you a hundred and a quarter. The real question is why isn't Richard Cross available on this? Why can't why can't somebody get a Richard Cross cameo? Dolph Lundgren, two hundred and fifty dollars. That's a good one. Brent Hundley is on there. I, you know, he gets so many requests of like. Sweet wives trying to do their husband a favor, and they see Arizona Cardinals player. My husband's a huge Cardinals fan, and you get a message from Brent Hundley. I, honey, I got you a cameo from the Arizona Cardinals quarterback. What? <laughs> Kyler Murray? <laughs> hey, John, it's Brent Hundley. Oh. Oh. Former NBA player and Ohio State star Greg Oden for $50. Hmm. Lenny Dykstra will do it for 95 bucks. Would you rather have a birthday greeting from Lenny Dykstra or Pete Rose? Lenny. I'd rather, rather have Pete Rose. Lenny Dykstra, I just want him to tell me what he really thinks. 150 for the Boz. Ooh. Steve Garvey, 100 and a quarter. Mariano Rivera for 500 bucks.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.